Well, hello, everyone. Good morning. Excited to uh, have a chance to be up in front of you once again and get to share a little bit as we are pushing in to week two of our Vision and Values series. I'm going to let you know something, a little deep, dark secret of mine, that if you know me, you might be surprised to hear. And that is uh, that I am an extrovert. It's a little known thing. It's a little known thing about me. But I say this to say, uh, even though I'm an extrovert, there's something that throughout my life I've actually struggled with. Um, And really, I think of a a real good example. So when I moved here in 2009 to come and be one of the youth pastors here at Buncombe Street, uh, I did not know anyone in Greenville. I'd never been here. I didn't have any friends. I had no connections at all. And so I moved here and I jumped right in and I started, started serving the teenagers of this church. And on Thursday afternoon, when I left the, left the office and would come back here on Sunday morning, there was a lot of weeks that in that window, I did not talk to another human being which for an extrovert is a really hard thing. It's a hard thing. But I, I, I kind of, I struggled to find friends early on. And it's been something that has continued on uh, to, to find deep, meaningful connection with people. So much so that in uh, 2022, so two years ago, about this time, I made a handful of New Year's resolutions, as everyone is apt to do. And one of my resolutions was to intentionally pursue strengthening three male relationships. It's a huge deal for me because I, I felt like I need community. And here's the truth. We all struggle with this to varying degrees. Agreed? Yeah, yeah. It's hard for us to just kind of develop friends and and develop really strong, healthy community around us and maintain that because it takes a lot of work. And ladies, you do a much better job than we do as men. I got to be honest with you. My wife has so many really close friendships that she does a great job of keeping in touch with. I am the absolute worst at that. I don't talk to anybody I went to high school with, nobody I went to college with. I'm just, I, I just, I haven't put in the time and the effort to make that a priority. But it is, it's important for us. And the reason it's important for us is that every single person in this room has three things that are really important to them. Three things that throughout your life you have pursued and three questions you have tried to answer. The first pursuit that we all go after is a pursuit of identity, right? We wanna answer the question, who am I? Why am I here? Why do I exist? What was I created for? Who am I? The second thing we pursue is autonomy. We want to know, how am I unique? Now, for some of us, that is a much easier question to answer, right? Some of us just are born a little bit outside of the box. But answering why we're unique, what, we were, what specifically we were created for. So identity and autonomy are kind of two of the big things. But the third thing, and I think this is maybe the most prevalent and maybe the hardest question to answer, and it's a question of affinity. Answering the question of where do I belong? And I honestly think that this is the biggest question in our current cultures, particularly for younger generations, for millennials, for Gen Zs, for Gen Alphas. Because in in those cases, a lot of time answering this question dictates the answer to the other question, right? If I figure out a place that I belong, if I figure out people that I can be friends with, a group that I connect with, then that'll kind of help tell me who I am and how I'm unique, right? That group can help identify me a little bit. 
And that can be a really scary thing if you're a parent. It can also be a really good thing if it's the right connection, right? But we all struggle with this idea of affinity. So we are in week two of this new series. We're rolling out our vision and our values for the church. Uh, I had the privilege of sitting on that committee with a really, really strong group of people that have prayerfully considered these values and this vision that we're rolling out. But I hope that you are starting to try and take some of these things to heart. And so I, in an effort to try and do that, I thought maybe we would review a little bit. Can we review? Can we review? It's always good to remember. So I'm going to put the vision statement up here on the screen. And I want us to read this together. Would you read this with me? Buncombe Street Methodist Church is developing followers of Jesus who are engaged in community, equipped to serve, and empowered to lead. If you want to go up in the lobby and find a bulletin from this week or go get a bulletin next week, that's going to be printed on the bottom. Like cut it out, tape it to your mirror. Let's start really internalizing this for our church. This is who we're going to be in this new season. And we spent a lot of time, listen, I don't know if you've ever been on a committee with 12 people and tried to get them to agree to anything. It takes a lot of work to get to something good, right? And I don't know about you, I think that's really good. And it's really, uh, it's really an act of God and his spirit that he coalesced that group around this vision statement. So I hope you're excited about it. Now, I want to I review value number one that Justin talked about last week, rooted in the word, fed by the truth. Rooted in the word, fed by the truth. And Justin talked about this, but we established for us that biblical authority is the foundation upon which all of these other values are going to build upon. It's why we wanted to make it first, because it's kind of the most important, right? Agreed? Yes. Okay. So this week we're going to go into vision statement number two, and I'm going to have them put this on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. Committed to fellowship, devoted to one another. Committed to fellowship, devoted to one another. And then underneath each of these, you'll see we, we put like just kind of a little explainer. So we pray, break bread, and serve as a spiritual family in Christ. And each of these also has a scripture passage. Again, why? Because value one is what? Rooted in the word, fed by the truth, right? Biblical authority. Everything's going to be built on the Bible. So this text, and part of the reason I'm excited to share with you this week about value number two, is that this is probably my favorite passage of scripture in the entire Bible. Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47. And we're going to walk through that this morning together. And I'm actually going to back it up a verse. I'm going to start in verse 41. And the reason is I want to give you context as to where this passage falls. So if you'll remember, uh, Jesus in the beginning of Acts, he, he has his kind of final words with his disciples. He ascends to heaven and he says, I'm, I'm going away, but I'm about to send a Holy Spirit that's going to be better for you than for me to be present with you all the time. And so what happens is at Pentecost, you get this collection of people, a bunch of people who don't know each other, nobody's friends, nobody even speaks the same language. It's just a hodgepodge of people. And God sends his Holy Spirit down to his apostles. They start speaking these different languages. They coalesce this entire group around this idea and person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and, and Paul, Peter gets up and gives this like rousing sermon, better sermon than Justin or I will ever give. And here's what happens in verse 41. So they received his word, were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. 
Uh, I know last week when I was gone, there was a lot of people here. I've heard. Uh, there were not 3,000 people here. If there were 3,000 people here today, I would not shut up about it for six months. It would be like, you will never believe what happened. We had 3,000 people. Now imagine, imagine not just 3,000 people came through the door, but 3,000 people made a profession of faith and stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Would that be something to celebrate? It would be an amazing thing to celebrate. And I think what would probably happen to us if that happened, just God just worked a revival that some of us have been praying for and 3,000 people made professions of faith. I think a lot of us would do the same thing the apostles did here and go, okay, we got to figure out what we're going to do next because uh, that's a lot and uh, we want to capitalize on that, right? And we also understand that if we just, if we just trust ourselves to like make it work, we're going to go right back to where we were at the beginning of Acts chapter two, different languages, different subgroups. Everybody's going to splinter back out and we're going to forget about it. We won't forget, but we're not going to be there. We're not going to be in the moment. <clears throat> and so what we see here in verse 42 at the start of our text, in my opinion, this is where they say, you know, you know, it's super important for us in this season to really push forward in what the spirit has done and to continue this work. We need to put some baseline core values around this early thing, this, this thing we're calling church. And here's what they said. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they had four core values. It's 2,000 years later, and we have six. So maybe we've overcomplicated it. I don't know. But here's what they said. Here's their, four, here's their four values. Let's look at what they were. The apostles' teaching, right? What is that? Rooted in the word, fed by the truth. Does that sound familiar? It was number one for them. It's number one for us. We're going to be just laying down God's word as the bedrock of everything we do. Number two, fellowship. Uh, hello, committed to fellowship, number two, number two for them, number two for us. It's not a coincidence, right? These things are foundational. And that word here in, in verse 42, fellowship, it's the Greek word koinonia. Raise your hand if you've ever heard koinonia. Okay, koinonia, is, it's in, it happens all through the New Testament. It's translated a handful of different ways, most often as fellowship, but other times it's translated as sharing, as participation, as contribution, right? So it's this idea of like family, right? The way that you treat your family, even the ones you don't like sometimes, the way that you treat your family, that's, that's that koinonia, but it's, it's family around the work, person and work of Jesus Christ, not around our blood, right? Around his blood, not our blood. And fellowship is one of these words, I think it's a, it's a Christianese word. It's a word we use a lot in the church, but sometimes we don't really know what it means. We kind of go, oh yeah, fellowship. That's like, we have a, like I grew up in a church with a fellowship hall. Anybody ever have a fellowship hall at a church? You know what you do there? Eat mostly. Um, but I, 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 was t I told the story this morning. Uh, we had an associate pastor at the church I grew up in when I was a little kid. And I remember he preached on fellowship and here I am, I'm almost 40 years old now, and I remember this definition of fellowship because it's probably the best definition I've ever heard. He said, fellowship is what happens when you get two fellas in a ship. <laughs> right? You're never going to forget that. It's incredible. It's basically what happens when guys go fishing or when you go hunting or you're on a golf trip or when you go on a retreat or a mission trip or, or go to summer camp or what, like you have this experience together where you're away from everything else and you're just focused on being together and doing something you love. That's fellowship. That's koinonia. Apostles teaching, fellowship to the breaking of bread. 
Listen, this is a twofold piece here. One, uh, food, which I'm all about a core value that incorporates food. I'm here for it, right? So breaking bread, actually having meals together. When you, when you go out to dinner with friends, right? That's, that's this really intimate thing. So breaking bread is this thing, but it's also something that we do every single week here because it was also a reminder to them when they broke bread, whenever you do this, do this to remember what I did for you. So it's, it's twofold there. And prayer. I hope that everything we are doing, prayer is running out ahead of us. Let's carry on. Verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now that word awe, if you have a different translation, sometimes that word awe is translated fear. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, why would that word be used? Well, if you look back up in verse 13, right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it says, but others were mocking them, saying they are filled with new wine. This move of the Spirit happened, and some of the people were looking around going, these people are drunk. Like, there is something wrong with him. This can't be normal behavior. But by this point, Peter has given his sermon. They've seen these 3,000 souls come to know the Lord. And all of a sudden, all those people who were laughing and pointing and mocking shut their mouths, right? The Spirit shut them up. He said, this is what I'm doing. This is what's happening. And all came upon them so that the work could continue. So the wonders and signs could continue to be done. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were together. They continued to gather together. It became a rhythm of their lives. We're going to read that here in just a minute. But they, what happened was they had this mountaintop experience, right? They went, they went on the retreat and they had this koinonia time with all their fellow believers and the spirit just did this incredible thing amongst them. And they were like, this is how it should be all the time. And even though we know it's going to go back to normal in a minute, let's continue to fight to have just a slice of this throughout our lives. So they continued to gather together. Verse 44, oh, verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Boy, isn't that a radical idea. They weren't compelled to do this. No one told them they had to do it. It wasn't like this is your dues to be in the club. They were doing this as an expression of their love for one another. Verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So day by day, they're attending the temple and day by day, God's adding to their number. By committing this to a rhythm in their life, a daily rhythm, God honors that daily rhythm by daily rewarding that effort, right? Because what happens is when you, when you have this rhythm, when you have this koinonia, this fellowship, this thing that is just beyond comprehension, that's going to shut up the mockers, guess what happens when the mockers are filled with awe and fear? What comes after that? What comes after that is intrigue and like, I, what is going on? What is, I need to be a part of that. What a gift it would be for our community, for people to look at our church and go, I don't know what the heck is going on at 200 Buncombe Street, but those people are crazy. 
like crazy in the way that like, I have to go check it out. I have to pack 733 people in this room on a Sunday morning because I got to see what's up. And not only do I want to see what's up, but God's clearly doing something. The spirit's clearly moving. I want to be a part of that. So how do we get there? How do we get to that point, right? Fellowship is value number two for the early church and it's value number two for us. And the reason that is, the reason it's so important, the reason that community is not just value number two, right? Committed to fellowship, devoted to one another, but it's also literally in the vision statement, right? Engaged in what? Engaged in what? You remember? Community. Engaged in community. Committed to fellowship. Devoted. It's in the vision and it's a value because it's super important. Because community is absolutely transformative. It's a transformative vehicle for the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you what, and I, and I would venture to say that there's some of you in this room that this is going to apply to. Too many times we substitute community, real community, for connectivity. Too many times we're satisfied to just be connected to one another, right? To just come here on Sunday morning, you sit by the same people, you say, hey, how's your mom? How's everything going? Great. Your kids are doing well. Everybody, nobody got sick. Awesome. See you next week. Maybe you're even in a Sunday school class. Maybe you've even taken that step, but you haven't actually like stepped into it and you're just connected. But connectivity is no substitute for community. So how do, you, how do you differentiate and how do you move from connectivity to community? I think the vehicle to do that is through vulnerability. And I want to give you an example. So several years back in between stints here, my wife and I were at, attending another church. We were a part of a, a home group, right? And we met on Monday nights. And for the first probably year or so of that group, we just kind of got to know people. It was fun. We were developing relationships. We were really just connected. There wasn't really, nobody really went deep. And then in the fall of 2016, uh, my wife and I, after months and months of trying, got pregnant. We, we lost our pregnancy. We had what's called a ruptured ectopic, uh, which is a whole nother sermon, uh, but it's scariest day of my life, right? And that happened. And, and we were sitting around the next week knowing we had home group. And we're like, what are we going to do? Like, I, do we want to do this? Like, do we want to go and just go to this meeting? And I felt God really knocking on my heart. And he said, not only are you going to go, but you need, to, you need to open up and you need to share because this is not something you should be carrying by yourself. And so we did that. We, we showed up, these people that we had just kind of connected to, and we had said, hey, we got something we'd love to talk about. <laughs> let's, bring the, let's bring the mood down a little bit. And we started sharing. And you know what happened? Other people started sharing. And more people started sharing. Everybody that was carrying all this stuff, anybody carrying stuff with you? I carry stuff with me every day. Everybody was carrying stuff, started unloading the stuff and putting it out and going, hey, I got this and I don't want to carry it by myself anymore. And somebody can run up beside you and go, hey, it's good, man. Like, I'll be here with you. I'll run beside you. It's helpful to have that community, but we have to open up. We have to be vulnerable. So one thing I always like to do when I preach is I like to give you a little bit of homework. And the homework this week is super easy. I want you to take a step from connectivity to community. And everybody in this room is at a different place. And so there's different kind of ways you can do that. I got some options for you. Number one, if you're not a member here, if you've been visiting with us, 
Um, maybe, you've, maybe you've been coming here for years, decades, and you just never have taken the step to join. You're just like, it's good. I'm here. I come. I participate. I serve. I give. I agree. All that's great. But you know what? There is something tremendously powerful about standing in front of this room and going, I'm as committed to this family as you are to me. Right? It's one thing to sit and take and take and take and take. It's another thing to take a step in. So if that's you, um, I would invite you to come to our Engage class in two weeks. When I started doing the Engage class three years ago, I wrote a mission statement for Engage, and it was this, to help people move from anonymity to community, from unknown to family. And that's exactly what I hope is happening, right? And so that's a step you could take. Another step you could take is to join a small group. We got small group sign-ups starting today. That is like a dip your toe into community deal because it's short term. So if you don't like the people, you can walk away in in six weeks. But it's a way to start meeting some people. My microphone is going all over the place, y'all. I'm so sorry. Sorry to my sound guy. Um, But that's a way you can just dip your toe in a little bit and just try it for a second. Uh, The third way to take a a step a little bit deeper is to join a Sunday school class. And not only to join a Sunday school class, but to actually like push in with the people, right? Be vulnerable with the people, invest in that people. But it's, it's long-term. I'm in a Sunday school class. I don't ever get to go to Sunday school. Not a single Sunday do I get to go, but I'm still in a class because those are my people right there. I can see them, my Genesis people, right? That's my family, y'all. I love them so much. You can serve on a team here. We, we have people that serve communion. We have a prayer team. We have a choir up in the sanctuary. We have so many ways you can serve and get to know people on that level because there is something about uh, serving in the trenches side by side that brings you closer together with people. And the fifth, and like, again, this is, this is the rocket fuel, y'all. If you really want to develop community, find a trip or a retreat to go on. We have a women's retreat at the end of February. We have a men's retreat at the beginning of March. Those are two awesome ways to step in with people. And I can't emphasize this enough. You want to really, really elevate some community? Talk to Mignon and go on a mission trip, right? Raise your hand if you've been on a mission trip, you can attest, right? That is truth, is it not? You want to develop relationships with people? Go on a mission trip together. Be out of the country, out of your comfort zone, serving in the trenches and seeing the need. It will connect you with people in ways you can never imagine. I want to read to you one more passage of scripture and just tell you a quick, quick story, and then we'll, we'll go to the table. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. <clears throat> so there was a thing that happened a couple of years ago. I don't know if you heard about it. It's called covid and when COVID happened, uh, a lot of people kind of opted out, right? We had to opt out for a minute, and then people still continue to opt out because really a huge benefit we have is we get to stream our services. We have people that can't come. We have shut-ins. People aren't able to come. People are on vacation, want to still engage with us. I love that we have technology that people can still connect with us in that way. However, there is an element of like, you miss so much not being here. Imagine that, imagine that after church today, I said, hey, I'm going to take you out five course meal at, at Rick Irwin's wine parents, the whole thing. It's on me. It's on me. And you came with me. You were so fired up. You came and you had a salad. And then you were like, I got I to gotta get going. You missed like so much of the best part, <laughs> right? 
And I feel like if you're, if you're just, if you're at home and you're, all you're doing is streaming church, you're just eating salad, man. There's nothing wrong with salad. There's nothing wrong with it. But like, I want, I want steak. I want, I want like bread pudding with a big scoop of vanilla ice cream on it, right? For dessert. I want the whole meal. And you can't get that unless you're in the room with people. You can't. I saw such a perfect picture of what I hope our church can become uh, a, a little over a year ago. So fall of 2022, um, a lot of y'all know I lost my dad unexpectedly. And my parents have been going to a church for about 20 years. It wasn't the church I grew up in. It's a whole nother story about values and switching churches. <laughs> um, but this church they go to, it's just a small church, you know, a couple hundred people. It's nothing real special. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of staff, a lot of volunteers. But the way that those people came around us and surrounded us, people like me who they don't even know, just loved on us and cared for us. And I felt like this is what I want for our church. And our church being a bigger church than that church, the impact we could have could be that much greater but we got to step in. We got to go from connectivity to community. We got to take a step to being committed to fellowship and devoted to one another. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would just continue to show up in our lives, Lord. We ask that you would invite us into a little sliver of the community that you demonstrated for us while you were on earth. You showed us what perfect community looks like, and you offer us the opportunity to have just a little bit of that here. But we got to take it. We got to step in. We got to engage. Show us how to do that. Show us ways we can open up. Bring us out of our comfort zone so that we can connect with the people here, with your people, to do your work. And as we come to the table this morning, God, I ask that you would allow this, your ultimate act of servitude, to be a reminder to us of what it takes to build true koinonia, true community, and true love for the people around us. We pray all this in your name. Amen.